This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in Counselor Education and Supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I provide an update on the Jussie Smollett case? Jussie Smollett was born in Santa Rosa, California on June 21, 1982. His family moved a few times. He graduated from high school in New Jersey. At age 19, he told his parents that he was gay and came out publicly in 2015 on The Ellen DeGeneres Show. Jussie started his performing career in New York City as a model. He then worked as an extra in a few movies before acting in the 1992 movie The Mighty Ducks. He was in a few other movies, but he didn't get his big break until 2014 when he was cast in the TV series Empire. As he continued to work on that show, he started recording music. He released his debut album in 2018. In 2007, Jussie was convicted of providing false information to law enforcement in connection with a DUI stop in Los Angeles, during which he supplied officers with a false name. He would stay out of trouble with the law until 2019, when he was living in Chicago. On January 22, 2019, the Chicago studio where Jussie worked received a letter that appeared to contain a threat against Jussie. The letter featured a stick figure hanging from a tree and suggested Jussie would die. It also contained white powder, which was later determined to be Tylenol. A week later, on January 29, Jussie reported to the police that he was attacked at about 2 a.m. on East Lower North Water Street in Chicago by two white men. Jussie was walking back to his apartment in the freezing cold weather after stopping at a subway and picking up a sandwich. He claimed the assailants gained his attention by insulting him with racial and homophobic slurs. The assailants then proceeded to punch, kick, and bite him. They poured bleach on him and put a rope around his neck. They made a reference to Donald Trump's campaign slogan using the acronym for Make America Great Again by saying, This is MAGA country. I guess the attackers forgot they were in Chicago, Illinois. Jussie said that he was able to fight off both assailants. He believed the motive may have been tied to his criticism of Donald Trump. Jussie was treated at a local hospital and released. He had only minor injuries. In the location of the alleged incident, surveillance cameras were present, but they were facing in another direction. Therefore, there was no recording of the alleged attack. On February 13, 2019, two brothers who immigrated from Nigeria had their residence raided by the police. Their last name is Osundero. They were taken into custody then released without being charged with a crime. Here's what the police found during their investigation. These two men knew Jussie from working on the series Empire as extras. The brothers bought rope, ski masks, clothing, and a red hat that were all featured in the attack. They even specifically asked an employee at the store for a Make America Great Again hat. Jussie had paid the two brothers $3,500 to stage the attack. There never was a real attack. Jussie had perpetrated a hoax. He had told the brothers that he was unhappy with his salary on Empire and thought that staging an attack would help him to 
get an increased salary. Kim Fox, the state attorney for Cook County, said that she was familiar with potential witnesses in the case, therefore she was recusing herself. In reality, she did not recuse herself. Rather, she gave the case to someone else, who she supervised. On February 20, Jussie was charged with filing a false police report. He surrendered to the police on February 21 and was released on bond. On March 8, he was charged with 16 felony counts of false report of offense. On March 26, all of the charges were mysteriously dropped and a judge ordered the records to be sealed. A highly unusual deal had been reached. Jussie would perform 16 hours of community service and give up his $10,000 bond in exchange for the charges disappearing. On February 11, 2020, a special prosecutor indicted Jussie on six counts of disorderly conduct stemming from four false reports he gave to the police. These were felonies. The charges were connected to the 2019 hoax. Jussie was tried in November and December of 2021. On December 9, he was found guilty on five of the six charges. At the time making this video, he is awaiting sentence. Jussie's lawyer said that Jussie is 100% confident his appeal will be successful. So Jussie believes he can get his convictions overturned. Now moving to my analysis. Was Jussie Smollett actually guilty? Let's take a look at the evidence both for and against the idea that he was guilty, starting with the inculpatory evidence. Jussie wrote a $3,500 check to the Osandero brothers right before the attack. The brothers bought material used in the phony attack. How would the brothers have known to buy materials that would be used in an attack perpetrated by other people? If the attack was real and they were the perpetrators, why would they specifically ask for a Make America Great Again hat? And what would their motive be to attack Jussie in that way? Jussie refused to turn over his phone and saliva sample to the police, almost like he did not want the police to solve the case. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present, if you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. Jussie still had the rope around his neck when the police responded to his apartment after the alleged attack. The police found it unusual that he didn't remove it. Jussie also still had the sandwich from Subway in his hand. The sandwich was undamaged. So Jussie bravely fought off two attackers and protected his sandwich. I guess he just looked at that sandwich and thought, we've been through too much together for me to let you go. 
Surveillance video recorded not long before the attack captured Jussie in his SUV circling the intersection where the attack occurred three times in the course of just a few minutes, like he was just repeatedly driving around the block. The Osondero brothers were in the vehicle with him. The brothers testified against Jussie saying that he arranged the phony attack. Now one could argue, as Jussie did, that the brothers were the actual attackers. But Jussie had told the police during the original investigation that the attackers were white and the brothers did not attack him. In addition, how would the brothers have known that Jussie would have a desire for a sandwich from Subway at 2 a.m. when it's freezing cold outside? Now moving to the exculpatory evidence. Jussie claimed that he repeatedly drove around the scene of the alleged attack because he was smoking marijuana. He had a habit of driving aimlessly while getting high. So this is the old, I wasn't planning for a crime, I was actually committing another crime defense. Jesse claimed that the $3,500 check that he wrote to the brothers was for physical training in preparation for a music video. That's pretty much it for exculpatory evidence. When considering all the evidence, do I think that Jesse was actually guilty? I think he was guilty in reality and guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. I wouldn't call the evidence overwhelming, but I do think of it as very convincing. Moving to the next question, what personality traits are consistent with this behavior? This is just my opinion. Some people suggested that Jussie behaved like a victim narcissist. That is, someone who manifests a number of vulnerable narcissistic traits and has a particular affinity for being perceived as a victim. Jussie staged the attack for attention. He wanted people to feel sorry for him. To understand what vulnerable narcissism is, we first need to look at the construct in general. Narcissism refers to a collection of personality traits. If somebody is narcissistic, that doesn't necessarily mean they have some type of mental disorder. The two constructs are separate. Narcissism is characterized by self-centeredness, a sense of entitlement, and a need for admiration. Narcissism can be divided into two categories, grandiose and vulnerable. Grandiose narcissism is characterized by boldness, arrogance, self-confidence, resistance to criticism, externalized anger, and optimism. Vulnerable narcissism is characterized by resentfulness, distrust, insecurity, social awkwardness, internalized anger, and pessimism. Both are quite dangerous and destructive, but grandiose narcissism is relatively straightforward and obvious. Vulnerable narcissism is insidious. Grandiose narcissists believe that they are superior and they want everyone else to view them that way. They never doubt how great they are. The vulnerable narcissist is not as confident. They need other people to admire them in order to maintain their own belief about being superior. So the admiration of other people encourages the narcissist. It helps them to build that confidence to a level where they can believe in their own greatness with certainty. They manipulate people in order to get what they believe they deserve as far as attention and material gain, but also to fully convince themselves of their own greatness. When a vulnerable narcissist tends to play the victim as part of their manipulation, this only makes them more dangerous. Instead of trying to be accepted or loved for something they have accomplished, like something pro-social, they want attention for simply being a victim. To them, being a victim is an incredible achievement worthy of admiration. 
it indicates that their character is magnificent. They don't understand how society typically reacts to victims. So we see a profound lack of insight here. Usually a victim narcissist will not be as manipulative when they are getting their way, like when they are achieving success. This part is inconsistent with Jussie's behavior. Here we see an individual that had a tremendous amount of success. Jussie was an actor on a popular show, he was making a lot of money, and he was famous. Yet that wasn't good enough. Jussie wanted more. He wanted to be recognized for his achievements and for being a victim. Really, he wanted everything. No amount of recognition would ever be enough to satisfy his desire. Even after being convicted, Jussie will not admit his wrongdoing. If anything, now he's even more of a victim, because according to his position, he was the victim of an attack in 2019, and now he's the victim of false convictions. Jussie is the victim that keeps on giving, a never-ending victim. I doubt he will ever admit his culpability unless somehow that promotes his victim narrative. Maybe someday he'll say that he created the hoax because he was so traumatized by being a victim in other ways, like he will twist it around to where society made him create a phony attack. If society had only recognized his greatness earlier, the whole situation could have been avoided. Some people believe that Jesse's career is over. He has been permanently canceled. I think they underestimate his resilience. His belief in his own preeminence is a profound and powerful motivator. He certainly has the potential to make a comeback and perhaps create an even greater hoax. The last item I want to talk about is the nature of deception. One of the most frightening implications of Jussie's behavior is that he was, and is, perfectly fine with living a lie. That doesn't seem to bother him. It's almost like he has tricked himself into believing his own lies. Maybe living a lie is just the price he is willing to pay to get what he believes he deserves. Essentially, a small price for big attention. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.